Hello and welcome to the EMJ podcast with me, your host, Dr. Jonathan Sakia. This week, I'm joined by Dr. Anthony Chan, and together we'll be exploring digital healthcare in rheumatology. Anthony graduated with his medical degrees from the University of Aberdeen in Scotland in 1997 and, after obtaining membership of the Royal College of Physicians, trained to specialise in rheumatology in Oxford. He was awarded the Arthritis Research UK Clinical Research Fellowship from 2003 to 2006 when he completed his laboratory and clinical research into the immunology of rheumatic diseases and was awarded his PhD. Anthony is a consultant rheumatologist and associate medical director at the Royal Berkshire National Health Service Foundation Trust in Reading here in the UK. He's a full member of the Assessment in Ankylosing Spondylitis Working Group, or ASAS. He won the British Society for Rheumatology Best Practice Award, and in 2018, he received the Patient Choice Award for Best Care by a Rheumatologist from the National Ankylosing Spondylitis Society. He leads the Axial Spondyloarthritis Service in, uh, in his hospital, uh, the team were awarded the National Axial Spondylo... <laughs> it's, it's tricky to say, you know, Spondyloarthritis Society's Aspiring to Excellence Award in 2019. Anthony is primary investigator for multiple clinical research studies that will hopefully result in newer and more effective treatments for his patients. Tony told me that he loves playing the electric guitar and used to play in a band called Electric Pulse, fitting name for a physician. Recently, going to concerts with his daughter with screaming youngsters brought back interest in playing his Strat again. Rock on, Tony. It's a pleasure to have you with us today, Dr. Anthony Chan. Welcome to the EMJ podcast. Hello. So let's uh, start at the beginning. What, what, I love origin stories. What, what inspired you to pursue a career in medicine, rheumatology, and your special area of interest? I've always uh, felt that... Um... If you you're able to give, uh, you get more in return. I think one of the key things I've learned is uh, one of the ways to uh, to carry on with uh, our journey is to give. And so I was keen to pursue a career where you can make a positive difference in people's lives. And of course, there are many ways of doing this. But I thought my science wasn't too bad in in my school. I probably could get through uh, medical school. So I decided to uh, to take up medicine. Uh, you know, because I love science, and also I like uh, all the uh, intrigue, you know, the uh, details of the human body. But also there is the art to to medicine, the communication, the bedside manner, the 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 skills that are necessary to to communicate well with people. And I think it's a it's a wonderful um, career where you can bring both the science and the art together. And and um, what about uh, the specifics of rheumatology, and then? your special area of interest in ankylosing spondylitis, for instance? So um, I think many things in our, in our life or in our career are, are dependent on two things. One is timing, and secondly, the people that we meet. So when I finished my medical training, I was coming out as a junior doctor. I did my house officer jobs, and I was thinking of which specialty to go to. Of course, everybody wants to be a brain surgeon, a heart surgeon, because those are very attractive, uh, high-end things, the things that we see uh, in, uh, in, in, in the television. Uh, but I was interested in rheumatology because one of my first uh, house jobs was actually in a rheumatology firm. And I, I saw two things. One is I saw that the rheumatologists were actually quite good general physicians. They were referred patients with unspecific symptoms, 
um, you know, high inflammatory markers, weight loss, and non-specific things that couldn't be diagnosed uh, easily by just simple tests. And I thought this was quite interesting specialty where there is a bit of uh, detective work going on to identify what was going on. But also around the time, around the late 90s, when I was uh, when I just was a junior doctor, uh, there was the the um, the new treatments that were arriving in rheumatology. These were called biologics. These are monoclonal antibodies that will be infused into patients and to help treat initially rheumatoid arthritis, but now in many other of our rheumatic conditions. And so as a junior doctor, my job was to look after these patients, administer these drugs. They would come to the day unit, um, often in their wheelchairs, often in crutches, very poor mobility. Some of them had lost their jobs. But what I saw is that over the weeks and months when they were receiving these new therapies, there was a big transformation in their lives. They started to walk again. They started to get back to work. They were just happier all over. And I thought, this is something uh, quite quite you know quite remarkable that you have a treatment that was found at the bench and you can bring it to the bedside and you can administer this to your patients and really make the positive difference that I've always tried to to strive to yeah i've i've spoken to a lot of folks in your your branch of the profession who express a similar story that um, the monoclonal antibody work was was revolutionary truly revolutionary for this type of disease and as you say for other things now uh, infl- other inflammatory diseases and I guess it was a, a realization that this old specialty was was rejuvenated so tell us a little bit more about the work you did for your doctoral thesis so when I finished my membership exams uh, and I did my <clears throat> basic uh, medical training core medical training uh, and then became a specialist uh, went into specialist training I wanted to take some time out uh, because of my experience of seeing what's what's happening with the patients with the biologics, but I wanted to get back to the basics. I wanted I wanted to truly understand how the cells and the host, which uh, the the person interacts with one another and with the environment. So I applied uh, and was successful in getting a, a fellowship uh, with what was the Arthritis UK at the time, now called um, Versus Arthritis, and I managed to um, be accepted uh, for to do a PhD in Oxford. And I spent three years in the laboratory and with some clinical um, uh, contact with patients as well. And what I was trying to do was to find a disease. And at that time, um, I looked into the condition called ankylosing spondylitis because there was a known gene, HLA-B27. And also we knew that the gene was causing interactions with uh, various different cell types. And so my research was to understand how these cells and receptors interact with different forms of HLA-B27. And as a result of this, produce a very intense inflammatory response and also promoted the survival of these inflammatory cells, which then caused the, the condition long-term. So um, you, you, you presented an abstract at the European League Against uh, Rheumatism, or ULAR conference this year, entitled Improved Referrals from Primary Care and Management of Inflammatory Arthritis, through an integrated collaborative academy and network using blended learning, mentoring, and action learning sets. Lots lots to unpack from that title. Can you summarize what that was all about? So uh, for many years, we've, uh, we've been trying to um, train and help our colleagues in primary care, GPs, and also uh, other allied health professionals. 
and to ensure that they would send the patients to us uh, in a timely fashion, but also to ensure that the right patients come to see us, those will benefit the most. And traditional ways of teaching this would be through seminars or lecture base. We didn't find that very effective. So three years ago, I decided to, to change uh, tech and we, I developed something called the Rheumatology Academy and Collaborative Network or RheumaCan. Uh, for short, and this is a is a blended learning approach where it's more learner driven, and we have three sessions over the year where where the participants or the delegates would go away, uh, do case studies, and they would come back and be mentored by my colleagues and myself. Uh, and over time, we would we would try to improve uh, the referral uh, to to our clinics and also to help with the management of patients who are in primary care. And as a result of this, we have seen a big change in the uh, the referral pattern, the accuracy of the referral, and also just general better management of our patients. Uh, so this is the collaborative approach where it's integrated and we are trying to break down the silos between primary and secondary care. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, digital. I mentioned that right at the beginning. Of course, there's so much use of the word digital in healthcare today that it's almost like, well, you can't have healthcare without a, a, a digital component. How has digital healthcare technology, including telemedicine, remote monitoring, impacted your field, rheumatology, both from the perspective of the provider and the patient? And, and what does the future hold? I think it's, uh, it's really a transform and revolutionize uh, rheumatology. And a lot of this we can learn from the period when we had the COVID-19 pandemic, where we accelerated the use of these digital technologies. But even prior to that, uh, we have been implementing some of these uh, digital technologies. The thing about uh, rheumatology or many other long-term conditions is that we are going to be with our patients for many, many years. We often say we grow old with our patients. And so the traditional system are trying to fit a uh, clinic appointment based on a time interval may not necessarily be the best approach because the disease doesn't follow a time scale. Uh, it may flare up, there may be changes in people's condition. And what we want to do is be in a place where we can be more proactive, where we can interact with our patients in a more timely fashion and they can come to hospital when they need to be seen and they do not need to waste uh, any hospital uh, appointments by not by coming when they're well. Uh, but they can come when they need to be seen. And so one of the things that we have used um, are digital technologies to interact with our patients better. And these are, are patient portals, patient reported outcome measures. We are monitoring their blood tests remotely. We are doing teleconsultations with them. And they're starting, they're also using wearables that can, can monitor uh, their, their activity. So all of these big data that we have allows us to manage our patients better. But clearly, more importantly, it's the, the, the patient being in the center. This would mean that they, they have better access to specialists and also they would benefit from not having to come to hospital unnecessarily. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, and there's other impacts, aren't there, of course, because uh, it could be more efficient. You're seeing people, one pediatrician talked talk to me about how she actually prefers seeing patients uh, remotely because she's seeing them in their own environment and they're not dealing with the emotional trauma of, you know, taking kids to the pediatrician is hardly a joy at any time. Um, and there's also the impact on the environment. One doctor in, I believe it was the American Midwest, Michigan, I think it was, who said that they had estimated during COVID that they had reduced travel by over a quarter of a million miles. I mean, it was astonishing 
you know, for outpatient visits and such like and so on. And of course, you've then got people who are immunocompromised sitting in a waiting room together. And, you know, if someone's got uh, um, someone's got a virus, everyone's got the virus. So you mentioned a few things, you wearables, what sort of wearables, what sort of things are you monitoring? And what other specific digital tools or platforms have, have shown promise in helping you and your fellow rheumatologists uh, manage these chronic conditions? Yeah, um, I think these are these are apps that can be used. Uh, firstly, uh, you can there we have um, mobile apps that can track uh, patient symptoms. So they can be filling in their their well-being scores, their outcome scores that are specific to their um, to their condition. Secondly, is about medication adherence. Uh, they can also fill in. Um, you know, we can use a data like this to see how how they're getting on with their medication. And then physical activity, obviously very important for rheumatology exercise. Um, you, we can look at people's uh, activity, their steps, uh, and many more things: oxygen saturation and also blood pressure. These are things that can be monitored while the patient is out there. It gives us uh, important information uh, prior to the patients actually uh, calling or presenting to us. And then there is a whole area of digital therapeutics. So we do not have to deliver uh, all of our care face-to-face. -face. So we know that uh, physiotherapy, psychological input, advice can be given as, as, a, as a vid by video or in, in terms of digital therapeutics. It also improves the uh, the access to care, so people don't have to travel, as you say, to hospital just to receive this. And it provides both physical and also emotional support for patients. And then finally, telemonitoring devices, um, so we can do virtual appointments with our patients. And we forgot to mention, of course, the, uh, the issue of hospital parking. Uh, one of the things that benefits of doing this is that you don't have to um, maneuver around to find parking if you don't have to come to hospital. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Always a joy. So um, changing uh, topic a little bit, collaboration and joint working are crucial in healthcare. How do you think technology can be used to improve collaboration, both between healthcare professionals when uh, treating patients, maybe the multidisciplinary team environment or, or referrals or whatever, and also communicating uh, decisions and treatment uh, regimes with patients? <clears throat> Hugely, I think this is a, is a big advance for us. Um, we can now communicate with our referrers, firstly talking about our referrers in a, in a better way now. Uh, so we have set up virtual uh, discussion halls, if you like, or discussion MDTs with people who, uh, referrers who are not quite sure whether this patient should be referred or they should be doing something else before coming. So we use something called advice and guidance. But beyond that, we are starting to use uh, platforms like um, uh, video conferencing to discuss in, in an MDT setting with our referrers. And also within the hospital in secondary care, there was a time when we all had to get back to the hospital at a certain time on a certain day to do our um, multidisciplinary team meetings. Uh, but now because of, of how we work, we can do this remotely, uh, virtually. So, for example, we could meet between um, the rheumatologists, uh, another specialty, the radiologists. And the beauty of this is that the data can be shared. So we can be looking at um, the blood results. We can look at the scans all on the screen and everybody can participate. And the benefit for the patient is that we can get instant you know, uh, outcomes from the discussions. Otherwise, in the, old, in the old ways, we had to wait for a week or maybe two weeks before the next meeting. Not everybody got there and not everybody was able to participate in this. This has changed now. And so 
the idea of data sharing, the idea of um, being able to cross-communicate across uh, areas, across centers. And we also do one regionally with other hospitals in the region once a week. All of this wouldn't have been possible without these uh, technologies. Right. So um, what about the future of digital healthcare in, in rheumatology? What are the prospects? What trends or innovations do you anticipate in the coming years that could further transform the field? I think we are going to move into a more predictive form of, uh, <clears throat> of uh, doing medicine, where we would try to work out uh, which patients are, are most at risk of developing a certain a complication of a condition or even may develop a certain condition. And that comes from large data sets that we are collecting. We are inputting data into our electronic health records, both in primary and secondary care every day. And I think we are starting to tap the potential of artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms. And the aim is to try to get down to a personalized treatment plan or treatment recommendation based on individual patient data. And when we can use these remote technologies, um, such as wearables, um, patient reported outcome, blood results, we can put all of these together. It will help us to identify patients and how their course of disease might be based on the understanding that we have. Right. So, um, well, you mentioned uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning algorithms. How so? What? Talk me through what that looks like. So, um, because we have a lot of uh, big data sets, uh, which often to the clinician, we only see the here and the now uh, because of the inability to access large data sets preceding the actual consultation. Uh, we have started to look at how machine learning or uh, artificial intelligence can go back in time and look at predictors of uh, the condition or the predict the out long-term outcome for our patients. And this has already been used now both in the referral stage and also in the treatment and follow-up stage across the different special specialties. I think this would be the, the way for the future as we have um, increased the demand on services and reduction in workforce and staffing. Uh, this could be the, if you like, the virtual assistant that we actually need uh, to help us to, uh, to manage our, our caseloads better in the future. Right. My final question for you is that if a uh... A magical genie granted you three wishes in the field of, you know, the field you work in in healthcare, or frankly, anything in healthcare. What might those wishes be? <clears throat> Firstly, um, if I be uh, granted three wishes, the first is to eradicate all chronic diseases. I look after patients with rheumatoid arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis, many of these chronic conditions. Although our treatments are better, they are still left with uh, significant disability. Uh, so there are also other conditions like um, dementia, Alzheimer's, and, and other cancer. Where if I could eradicate all these long-term chronic conditions, that would be the first thing. The second is to ensure that there is a universal access uh, to quality health care uh, for our patients so that everybody has the, the right uh, to be treated and have access to uh, treatment and there will be no barriers for them to access uh, the best health care for their, for their condition. Um, and a thirdly is to move away from a very reactive form of treating patients to a more proactive, preventive and predictive way of treating our patients, where more time is being spent on well-being of people and we can actually try to avoid uh, patients um, getting, getting disease or conditions. Uh, cardiovascular will be a big one, for example, in the future. Yeah. 
Well, sadly, that's uh, all we've got time for today. I'd like to thank you, Dr. Anthony Chan, for being with us today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for everything you do for your patients and for all patients. And hopefully we'll get to see you on stage with your guitar strapped on. And actually, just before we go, uh, who are your favorite bands? Who are your guitar heroes? Uh, it has to be uh, certainly Eric Clapton um, would be yeah. my, my, my Slow favorite. Hand. Slow Hand. <laughs> yeah, great guitarist. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tony. Really enjoyed having you. Thank you very much. So, folks, please check out our archives. Subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Tell your friends. And please join us next week for another fascinating episode of the EMJ podcast. Until then, I'm Dr. Jonathan Sakia. Please stay safe. Stay well, stay curious. Bye for now. <laughs>